Hey, I'm Morgan from Seattle. I'm Matt from Essex, Ontario. Hey, I'm Dan from Dayton, Mass. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is produced independently and supported by listeners like you and me. You should support the show like I did. Just visit MaximumFun.org slash donate. I'm Jesse Thorne. One of my guests this week is the jazz pianist Robert Glasper. What kind of music did you love when you were 14 years old? Actually, I love pop rock music. I love Billy Joel. I love Bruce Hornsby. I love Bonnie Raitt. And I loved hip-hop as well. I was a Tribe Called Quest fan. And I loved a lot of Keith Jarrett at that time period. Few are the guests on our show who don't say that when they were 14, they loved Keith Jarrett, A Tribe Called Quest, and Bonnie Raitt. (laughs) That would literally be like a mixtape. I used to make tapes to listen to in my car. My friends would get in my car and be like, huh? They'd be like nodding to the Tribe Called Quest, but you keep riding. And in about 10 minutes, turn down the lights, turn down the bed. It's Bullseye. This week, Robert Glasper transforms the 90s grunge hit Smells Like Teen Spirit into something surprisingly beautiful. I talked to Pendleton Ward about his animated show Adventure Time. It combines two great elements of teenage boyhood, innocence and Dungeons and Dragons. And Found Magazine's Davey Rothbart shares a mysterious note uncovered in Texas. Says, Jenna, can I give you a sensual massage? Then I will talk about Jesus. All that and more this week on Bullseye. Let's go. Every week on Bullseye, we are joined by one of our favorite culture critics to offer us a few picks for stuff that absolutely should not be missed out there in the pop culture world. Uh, This week, we're joined by Andrew Nas from the hip-hop blog Cocaine Blunts uh, in his home studio in Oakland, California. Hey, Andrew, how you doing? What's going on, Jesse? Let's talk a little bit about uh, Kendrick Lamar um, and this song, Cartoons and Serial. Now I was raised in a sandbox. Next to you and her, you was holding a handgun. She was giving birth. This was a huge event on the internet. It crashed a few websites, and it is not the kind of song that you might necessarily expect would be a huge event on the internet and be crashing websites, or at least that I would. Yeah, I mean, it's like seven minutes long and... Like deeply personal and it kind of has a hook but not really Kendrick raps in this weird slithery style and like bounces back and forth out of like the P-Funk mothership voice but it's incredible like I, he's a rapper who's focused on the craft of rapping and it really shows on songs like this and the fact that people are responding to it like it is a pop record is kind of inspiring and hopefully he's going to continue to be able to do that and other people are going to pick up on it and start rapping better
Living in the bottom of the food chain When you get a new chain They can take it from you A new name, one stripes And you a zebra look alike Hope another homicide don't numb you And nothing do things we'll never learn soon In the era what we wanna earn soon That's an era you can smell it In the era everybody really doomed That's why I'm back doing you Oh, 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 oh y'all can't sell my bitch All them days at the county building I'm about to make my mama rich Cartoons and I ain't felt this Scrooge McDuck this song is called Big Beast. It's by Killer Mike featuring Bun B and T.I. Uh, it's produced by LP. Hardcore G-ish, homie, all play around. Ain't-ish, sweet about the peach, this Atlanta clown. Home of the dealers and the strippers and the clubs, though. Catch you coming out that magic city with a snub. Well, lurking in the club on tourists. Welcome to Atlanta, up the gerb. These monkey niggas looking for some looter in Jermaine. And all that fucking found was the Ruga and some pain. So Bud and Killer Mike have both been guests on this show. These are two of uh, the smartest guys in pop music um, and two just absolutely tremendous MCs. And T.I. is no slouch himself. Uh, It's an interesting match that Mike is making this record with LP, who's a guy who has his roots in a kind of noisy, defiantly underground, very New York-centric hip-hop aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, Mike comes from a more traditionalist Southern rap background, but he's always seemed a little too politically charged for that type of music. Um, You know, he's made a lot of great records over the years, but he never really found a production style that fit him. And then L is definitely one of the more abrasive hip-hop producers ever. He's pretty much the only significant rap producer since Public Enemy that even touches on that kind of bomb squad wall of sound approach to production um again with big beast that's exactly what they're doing it's a little on the nose actually i mean it's pretty much a public enemy tribute record but that's cool because it pulls in you know that's not what you're going to hear ti rapping on generally ti has a very sly slippery style and it's really interesting to hear it as a as a contrast to killer mike Andrew Nas's picks this week are Big Beast from Killer Mike featuring T.I. and Bun B, and Cartoons and Serial from Kendrick Lamar. Andrew Nas is the editor of CocaineBlunts.com. He recently wrote a cover story about Kendrick Lamar in The Fader. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest Robert Glasper grew up in Houston, going to club gigs with his mother, a singer and piano player. He got serious about his own piano playing as a teenager at the High School for the Performing and Visual Arts and studied jazz at the New School in New York. He spent 10 years establishing his bona fides in the world jazz scene, while occasionally making side trips to the soul and hip-hop world, working with artists like Common, Kanye West, Erica Badu, and the late Jay Dilla. 
His 2009 album Double Booked featured one disc of traditional jazz trio and one disc of funkier experimental jazz. His newest record, Black Radio, is more like a soul album played by a jazz combo. It features vocals from artists like Lupe Fiasco, Mostef, and Glasper's longtime friend Bilal. Let's take a listen to one of the tracks which features Bilal on vocals, a cover of David Bowie's Letter to Hermione. They say your life is going very well They say you sparkle like a different girl But something tells me that you hide When all the world is warm and tired You cry a little in the dark Well, so do I I'm not quite sure what you're supposed to say But I can see it's not okay He makes you laugh, he brings you out in style He treats you well, he makes you a real fun And when he's strong, he's strong for you And when you kiss us, it's something new But did you ever call my name? Just by mistake I'm not quite sure what we're supposed to do Robert Glasper, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have you on the show. Indeed. Thank you so much for having me. So you were literally spent a lot of time as a kid backstage at clubs with your mom on stage? Yes, my mom on stage. Um, random waitresses coming in, checking on me. <laughs> as long as she was like, you know, within a seven walk, seven stride, walk stride to me. She was, she was rather, she rather that be... The case than just be at some strange babysitter's house, <laughs> you know. Back then, I don't even think they had nanny cams back then. So, <laughs> you know, she was not about to have people watching me. If my grandmother couldn't do it, then I was with her. I so, like that there's a specific distance. It, like, yeah, it's like seven, an electric seven strides, fence yeah. type situation. Seven strides. It has to be seven. Definitely. Well, seven what, or less. What was it like for you to be backstage when you were, you know, not even <laughs> of age? Uh, it was fun for me. For me, it was it was it was uh, interesting, and I loved. I've always loved music, so I was just listening to the music. I got you know, I would get a chance to watch, watch the musicians, and you know that she was always having rehearsals at the house too, and so I would always be around the rehearsals, and you know, so it was just a it was a really cool world for me. It wasn't ever like burdensome to you. It didn't ever feel like, oh God, more music. I guess I have to I have to practice my piano. No, because I wasn't even. Uh, funny thing is, I wasn't even playing piano then. I didn't start playing piano until I was in, like eleven. Um, I was really, I was actually playing drums when I was like seven. Um, I don't know. I loved being around the music, but I didn't really tap into it. Like, hey, I want to do it till till a little bit later. What do you think changed? I don't. Um, me not making the basketball team because <laughs> <laughs> I literally like I auditioned for a, um, a performing arts high school. My freshman year, and I got in for piano, but I declined to go because I wanted to play basketball at the regular high school. So I stayed at the regular high school. I went to the regular high school and rode the bench the whole year. And I realized, oh, you know what? I'm probably, let me try out this piano thing. <laughs> so then I went to the regular. Then I went to the performing arts high school, and that's kind of where I got more serious. But if if you grew up with your mom playing all different, I mean, playing you know playing as a working musician and the kind of working musician who 
you know, is a kind of local working musician, which is to say plays whatever kind of music there is a gig for. Right. Um, then you then you're in a situation where you have to have you know you sort of by necessity have a basic fluency in everything exactly and that becomes a norm for you you know to not have fluency in everything becomes like abnormal so that's kind of how i got it i think that's how i got it that's because all i know is random <laughs> randomness you know and um to me, the random, I embraced the randomness and it became, you know, um, normancy, if you will. What kind of music did you love when you were 14 years old? Um, 14. What is 14? Ninth grade? Um, I loved, actually, I loved pop rock music. I loved Billy Joel. I loved Bruce Hornsby. I loved Bonnie Raitt. Um, and I loved hip hop as well. I was a Tribe Called Quest fan. Um, and I loved a lot of Keith Jarrett at that time period. I think, you know, few are the, few are the guests on our show who don't say that when they were 14, they loved Keith Jarrett, a Tribe Called Quest and Bonnie Raitt. (laughs) That will literally be like a mixtape. I used to make tapes to listen to in my car. And I'm sure that all those were on there at, together. My mixtapes are very random. My friends would get in my car and be like, huh? <laughs> they, they, they'd be like nodding to the Tribe Called Quest, but you keep riding. And in about 10 minutes, you know, I'm going to hit you with, you know. Turn down the lights. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest Robert Glasper is a jazz pianist, but with his band The Robert Glasper Experiment, he plays music that's much more than just jazz. We're talking about the band's new album, Black Radio. You have a, a beautiful cover on the new record of uh, the Nirvana song, Smells Like Teen Spirit. I remember being an adolescent when Nirvana were at their peak. Right. And the phenomenon couldn't have been more powerful. And I wonder what they meant to you at that time. For me, I love that tune because it was kind of like a rebellious tune in a way. It was kind of like rebelling against, you know, anything that was normal or something. Everyone, once that song came on, I used to go to the skating rink every Friday night and when that song came on everybody just it was almost like a rave type vibe it was just like yeah ah, ah. you know and for me I love the song because of the melody and the changes were nice <laughs> but a lot of my friends around me weren't thinking like that they were just like yeah I love this song because it's this it's this and I loved it because the song was the, I love the lyrics and the, and the melody was beautiful and the the arrangement was beautiful and the way they played it was beautiful you know what I mean I was just I loved it from a real just a musical standpoint which is why I did it again because you know that song's kind of rocked out hardcore so the fact that the melody is really beautiful can get lost in the heart in the in the in the hardness of the rocking out 
What did you see as the essential vibe of the song? What was the thing that you wanted to keep? Um, I want to keep that in the chorus, the fact that it drives so hard and it repeats and it kind of ends up being like a like a chant. You know what I mean? It, it, it ends up being like that. And even when you get to the verse, it puts you in a certain mood. Like it always did that, the original, where you in one mood on the verses and there was a whole separate mood it was beautiful and then it went to this whole rebellious type mood and it is it, almost like freedom at that point break, Robert Glasper tells us in no uncertain terms what he thinks is wrong with jazz these days. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. Production of Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is supported in part by the menswear blog, Put This On, presenting the Put This On Gentlemen's Association. Members receive a handmade pocket handkerchief in the mail every 60 days. More information at PutThisOn.com. And by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. Hey, Bullseye listeners. Do you remember waiting all night in line for concert tickets? Have you ever made your own top ten list? Have you ever come to blows with a friend over the Beatles versus Stones debate? Then you, my friend, are a true music fan. But don't fear. There's a home for you every week. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We're the hosts of Sound Opinions, and every week we bring you what you need to know in the world of rock and roll. From interviews with people like Brian Eno and Bootsy Collins, to performances by Wild Flag and Arcade Fire. Plus, the week's music news and album reviews. So whether you're the first to tweet news of the latest Panda Bear release, or you haven't bought a new record since Frampton Comes Alive, we've got a place in the conversation for you. Because we're music critics, but like you, we're also fans. And admitting it is the first step. Subscribe to Sound Opinions for free on iTunes or at soundopinions.org. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Robert Glasper. He's a jazz pianist, record producer, and the band leader of the Robert Glasper Experiment. I, I want to ask you about, uh, about 
working with Bilal Oliver, um, mm-hmm. with whom you've worked for many, many years. Yes. Um, the two of you met in college, right? Yes. We both got, Bilal's from Philly, I'm from Houston. We both got full scholarships to the new school um, in Manhattan. And um, when you first go there, they put all the new students in a room and basically call you call your names and they just make random bands and you just play together. And um, we actually didn't play together, but I just saw him sing with another band. He's like, oh, I was like, man, he's ridiculous. And he heard me play. He's like, oh, man, you're ridiculous. And there was only six black people at the school, so we just knew each other. <laughs> <laughs> so we just became really, really, really cool from day one. And here we are 15 years in. Same thing. It's my brother right there. He's my favorite vocalist. Is there, I was thinking of playing, there's a couple of uh, songs that you recorded with him on your very first album, uh-huh. uh, Mood. Is is there one that maybe you'd, you'd like to uh, talk about a little bit? Uh, yeah, well, I like the Maiden Voyage and the Maiden Voyage that's on there. And there's a subtle hint of Radiohead mixed in there. A, a mashup that I came up with a long time ago actually I actually redid it again on my in my element record more blatant because I could actually get it cleared um, so on mood this album mood we're talking about I, I didn't have the means to get it cleared I was on a small label we couldn't get the radio head cleared so I just hinted at it I invited Bilal to the studio to come put something on it and I didn't know what he was going to do he didn't tell me what he was going to do he didn't know what he was going to do he just went into the booth and started making sounds and my producer was like what is he doing? I don't like the what's happening. And I was like, I don't know, but he's a genius. Just let him do what he does. Because he went in there and started going, bzzz, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden it turned into this beautiful sea of sound. Let's take a listen to the Robert Glasper trio from Robert Glasper's very first album, 2004's Mood, uh, featuring Bilal with a version of Herbie Hancock's Maiden Voyage with a a little bit of interpolation of Radiohead on top of it.
so Radiohead isn't something that you hear a lot of um, in, <laughs> you know, her, usually in, in traditional jazz, Herbie Hancock is like, uh, is controversial enough. Right. Uh, <laughs> just because you can kind of dance to it. Right. So r- right from the start, you were interested in expanding the boundaries of what jazz could be. Yes. Um, it seems like there are a lot of folks in the jazz community who are interested in maintaining jazz essentially as uh, as a museum, as something that that can be that we can be reverent of, right? Certainly, but that shouldn't expand, right? <laughs> um, and who said that? Who said, "Hey, wait a minute, jazz shouldn't expand"? <laughs> All it's ever done was expand. That's all it did. It always moved. It always changed. And I'm trying to figure out what person said, you know what? Let's stop it right here. And it should never, it should stop growing. Like, I want to, I want to meet that person because jazz to begin with never did that. It always moved. It always expanded. It always changed. It always, you know, it, it, it always morphed into other things. And that's the spirit of it. That's what it's supposed to do. So I'm just doing what it's supposed to do. I'm playing jazz. That's, 2012 when you put on a record of mine in 2012 you're going to know the year when you put on a, when you put on any miles davis album you'll know the year i could tell you what year most miles davis records are or at least what decade you know what i mean i could tell you oh that's birth of the cool uh that's you know miles around the world oh that's you know that's this that's that that's 1964 you know, he always changed with the times. He always had uh, something different under him that um, let you know what year it was because he was always searching to do the new stuff. You know, that's why I admire Miles is somebody I admire because he never stayed stagnant. He never was in one place. He always moved. So whoever these people are that are saying, well, Jazz should stay here, they must not like Miles Davis or Herbie or any of our great, great Great innovators. You know what I mean? Thelonious Monk, he was always doing what he wanted to do. He was always doing something different. You know what I mean? He always moved. And that's what he's supposed to do. So I'm just literally doing what I think I'm... I'm just being honest with myself and doing music that I like to do, which is the music of now. It's pretty simple. Do you think that um, doing the music of now means... um, moving jazz music towards other genres of music and especially, you know, uh, more popular genres of music? Sure. That's what they were doing in the 60s. You know, they didn't, uh, they were all kind of, you know, jazz was mixed with blues and you have certain songs. Jazz is mixed with, you know, show tunes and you have My Favorite Things. You know, that's this isn't this recipe isn't anything new. Just now that we 80, 60 years later or whatever it is, we have more music to choose from to mix with (laughs) than Train did. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Robert Glasper. His new album with his band, The Robert Glasper Experiment, is called Black Radio. The record features performances from several guest vocalists, including Bilal, Erica Badu, and Mostaf. 
radio, sucker never play me Triple shade of black, then my bleach should never fade me They say he crazy, New York raised him in the 80s Killer catch administration, gangster renovation Born in isolation, she in ill communication She in Marbell, fight by acting, pestilential Microscopic soul, sonic remedy Clinic right in the street, operator in the dark Surgery, a wounded heart, come together Pill apart, pill apart, come together Smoking on something good, praying for something better From out of bed and never rocking for forever Ever, 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 forever, ever, ever It's still a secret even when you tell them dumb dummies Hush money, red receipt, drug money They cold-blooded, warm gun money The chief rock up, you'll inject the Zulu horse Papa You made some really beautiful music Both um, with hip-hop artists and, and with hip-hop as an inspiration And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, uh, The late hip-hop producer uh, J.D., J. Dilla Um did you first meet him when he was working with Bilal? Yes. Um, that was one of the first producers that, when, when Bilal got signed to Interscope Records in 99, he got signed, I think. Um, that was one of the first producers they had um, slated to him to work with. So they flew Bilal out to Detroit to work with him, and he told them, yeah, I'll bring my boy out with me you know, to work, to work, to work with us. They're like, okay, so they flew me and Bilal out to Detroit, and we worked with Dilla for like a week and a half, two weeks, every day in his basement, hung out with him and, you know, um, talked about music, shared records. You know, he hit me to a lot of jazz records I, I wasn't hip to, showed me where a lot of his samples came from, all kinds of stuff. I'm going to play um, an instrumental from... Uh, Slum Village's Fantastic Volume 2 which was probably um, most critically acclaimed yeah um, uh, the album that, that JD produced nobody else's drums sound like his drums because he sounded like an actual drummer and when you're a, beat, a person that pays attention to beats, you know, his hi-hat, kick, snare, all came together and sounded like it, there was a person at the drums, which is hard to do because everything made sense as far as sound-wise. Oh, it sounds like somebody's at the drums. Be and that's because he also played drums. And so he understood the drums. But he also played the drums in a way that many people weren't hip to, didn't play like, because he had this thing... People call it behind the beat, you know, all kind of stuff. But where he laid everything was always, like, not right on. It didn't sound quantized. It wasn't exactly on. But at the same time, you can bob your head to it. Sometimes the snare will be early. Bass drum will be a little late. Or bass drum be a little early. Snare will be a little late. Hi-hat's kind of in the middle doing something. It was kind of drunk funkish. You're just in the middle, like, what's happening? Then there's the melodic content of it, where he's one of the the most melodic producer I know, you know, that's what really gravitated me towards his music. You know, the aesthetics of jazz and hip hop owe something to each other, but they're also very different. I mean, I think that for one thing, jazz is very deeply invested in the idea of the instrumental solo, which is not at all part of hip hop. Well, I guess you could make... Well, the vocal. I was about to say, I guess you could make some argument for the vocal being something like an instrumental solo. Uh-huh. Because it's improv a lot of times. Sometimes it's... Sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's uh, off the cuff. Um, freestyled, if you will. Sure. But I think, I, I think that it's... I, I think you're stretching there. It honestly depends. 
And it depends on who you're going to see. You know, you go see Q-Tip live, he's probably going to freestyle. You go see, I'm just naming people that I've been on stage with. And pretty much nine times out of ten, I know they're going to freestyle at some point. You know what I mean? But for the most part, now when you when you add, I have records into it, you know, I have albums. I got songs that people know. You got to do the songs. You know what I mean? But I, I, I know what you're saying. If you go to a jazz show, you're going to see more improvisation. And I also think that, you know, there's also an element of dance music versus not dance music in the sense that most hip-hop, certainly not all hip-hop, but most hip-hop is either dance music or has its roots in dance music. And one of the essential elements of dance music is repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, jazz Now we're going music, back to the birthplace of jazz. What was jazz when it was first made? Yeah, sure, but it it has it has substantially changed. Not been that for since since right. the fifties. But again, that's what I'm saying. The birth of all this stuff comes from the father to the son. Right. No, the father jazz in the thirties was all dance music. That's what it was for. That was the purpose. And it was very repetitious. It was a big band. The beat was ching, chake a chake a chake a chake a The bass was doom, 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 and the horns were pop, pop, spot up, pop, spot it up, pop it up, pop up, pop. Repetition, and then it, and then it morphed into something else. And the same thing with jazz. Same thing with hip hop. You know, repetition, dance music. I mean, hip hop and jazz is the same thing. And everybody's like, oh, you know. Hip hop cats, you know, they always it's all about drugs and women and and alcohol and what was jazz? <laughs> <laughs> Robert, I'm not sure I can support hip hop because I've heard a lot of hip hop artists smoke jazz cigarettes. <laughs> you know, it's all the same. You know, they learned from hip hop cats learned from jazz. Jazz was the first of all that. Because jazz was the hip-hop of its time. It was the newest, coolest, dopest, most cutting-edge music of the time, all the time. And that's what's missing about it now. Now they're reminiscing about that time period instead of keeping it cutting-edge and new all the time. Well, Robert Glasper, I sure appreciate you taking the time to be on Bullseye. It was really a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Robert Glasper is the band leader of the Robert Glasper Experiment. Their album, Black Radio, is available now. Let's close out with the song, Always Shine. It features both Bilal and Lupe Fiasco. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Davey Rothbart, is the editor of Found Magazine. It's a magazine composed entirely of things people have found. Everything from to-do lists to journal entries to love letters, all recontextualized and somehow, inside of a magazine, made magical. 
Davey's been a guest on our show many times, and today he has kindly agreed to stop by and share some of the amazing finds that have come to him over the course of his recent cross-country tours with Found. People, every city we go to, people give us Found stuff. And if you live near a school, you know that those are great places to find stuff because kids are good at losing stuff. And this one came from Houston, and I, I really like this one. I think it's like a middle school it was found outside of. And it says at the top here, Erica Rioja. Erica Rioja. It says, Erica, we the boys want to know why are you going out with Nathan and you like all of us in a way? Tell us why on this time watch you like the person with their name. For example, Fred, not at all. Sorry for asking you all these questions, but we the boys want to know and get to the bottom of this. I'm always having to write these letters because the rest of the boys, they are some punks. You don't have to tell us right away, but do tell us. Me, Fred, and Ricky thought of writing to you. Well, really, it was just Fred. (laughs) All the boys in the sixth grade likes you, except for some. That means you are the finest girl in the whole sixth grade. A few of them like you because of you-know-what, but I don't. I like you because you have a pretty face and a pretty smile. And you're the only girl that has a little piece of hair going on her face. I think that makes you even prettier. (laughs) You said that was your own style, and I think that's so cool or whatever. (laughs) That's all for now, so I'll see you on the flip side. Peace out. P.S. Call me if you want to talk about something or tell me about myself. (laughs) You know my number, and if you don't, then I'll tell you in your ear, because I don't want any other girl but you to know my number, not even Aisha. (laughs) So, So... you know, that, that's become a, a new favorite of mine. And these are all, you know, real found notes, found on the street, found on the ground, and sent into us from around the country and around the world or given to us on these found magazine tours that, that we do. And they, sometimes they just make you laugh out loud. Sometimes they make you tear up. But, um, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a new favorite of mine. That one is really magical. It, it, it is. It's sweet. And it's just looking for clarification. Each, exactly. I mean, he just wants her to... You know, tell, to either talk about something or tell him about himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and college campuses are another good place to find stuff. And I brought here a couple like that. This one found in Austin, Texas, University of Texas. It says, Jenna, can I give you a sensual massage? Then I will talk about Jesus. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, I, I could use some spiritual guidance. My shoulders are tight. Where's this guy when you need him, you know? This guy's got priorities. <laughs> yeah. He's got the, one, the old one-two <laughs> The old one-two. Yeah, what, what's, what are his real motives, though? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> um, this was a, found uh, in Davis, California, outside of Sacramento, on the UC Davis campus. And it's like this pop quiz. Five questions in this class. This is kids' five answers. And you can deduce what some of the questions were just by the answers here. But some of them I have no idea. So um, here's his five answers to this quiz. He says, number one, I would name my twins Mickey and Minnie. Cool. Number two, hell no, hell no. I mean, if you're going to control the U.S. Armed Forces, you have to be born and raised right here in the U.S. of A. (laughs) Number three, the book would be about the ghettos of the world. And the title would be The Ghettos of the World. (laughs) Number four, set my arms on fire using rubbing alcohol or spitting flames using rubbing alcohol. (laughs) What question elicited that response? Whoa! (laughs) What is that? The civics test just got really real. (laughs) And then number five, he says, I love you, God. Jesus, save me. (laughs) <laughs> Just got a central massage, I guess, from the same guy. Wow. There's the, something magical mm-hmm. about about spending some time in between the lines, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, getting to get these glimpses. <laughs> this one I found on the DePaul University campus in Chicago years ago. This is a favorite of mine. And it, it, it looks like a pretty ordinary sign that you hang up around campus looking for a roommate. 
But there's a couple weird things about it. First of all, each one was individually handwritten. So like they, they weren't photocopied. There was like hundreds of these all over the DePaul campus, each one handwritten. I was like, dude, Kinko's, you know, check it out. <laughs> and then also it gets weird once you, guys, once you see it. It says, uh, roommate for sublet in Lincoln Park. Starts out pretty reasonable. Looking for a male-female roommate. Lots of room. Cool, responsible, laid-back guy. For more info, call 847-647-7700. Ask for Dan. Now here's where it gets a little weird. He says, please call after 1045 or 11 p.m. to 1245 a.m. Or 6.30 to 9 or 9.20 to 11.30 a.m. Call ASAP. What is this guy doing from 9 to 9.20 every morning that he can't answer the phone? Sensual massage. One has to assume. Sensual massage. Talking about Jesus. This this one came from Carbondale, Illinois. And Jesse, you've been to many strip clubs. Maybe you can tell me the, the, law, the law in California. You either have... In Michigan, where I'm from, either you have the, the topless clubs where they conserve alcohol or, or the fully new clubs with no alcohol. Is it the same here in California? I, I've heard that it is. You've, heard, you've read in a book yes. that, that it's the same. Okay, so this a is book a book about Jesus. <laughs> this is a guy in Carbondale, Illinois, writing a letter to the mayor of Carbondale proposing something a little bit different. All right. So he says, to Mayor Cole, I would like to apply for an alcohol fully new dancing adult entertainment license. This business would offer the people of Carmendale an erotic and sensual experience that I feel is lacking in the community. <laughs> I'm preparing to present a safe and honest environment for the patrons. I know in my heart that when you see these beautiful and lovely ladies dancing, their bare and shapely bodies swaying to the beat of the music on the dark stage with the lights flashing, it will look like movements in the stars and should take everyone to a magical place where they will find a special joy for their souls. Rock on, Keith. <laughs> So I don't know if he's had luck with that opening that club yet or not. But I mean, if you get a heartfelt letter like that from a constituent, I think I think you're moved to action, right? I mean, you that's know, what democracy is all about. Exactly. If someone really reaches out, and of course, I mean, the movement in the stars. I mean, that's that's worth it, you know, on its own right. You know how they say President Obama reads half a dozen letters from constituents every day to keep himself connected to the real people of the United States. That's right. I think Keith. Well, if, if, if the mayor of Carbondale turns him down, he can always appeal to President Obama. Yeah, that's a man who knows about the movement of the stars. That's right. I brought one more find to share with you guys today, and this is one that came from Providence, Rhode Island. And as we travel around, sometimes we get to meet the people who have found this stuff. And the woman that found this one, she told me she found it in her front yard. This wind had just like blown it into her lawn. This note, also in kids' handwriting. And it says at the top, Adventure Club. How to get into the club. You need to know how to climb a fence. You need to like adventure. And then the rules. No messing up the club. Don't bring anything in without permission from Shane or Ethan. You have to be nice to squirrels. And most importantly, you can't tell anyone where or what the club is. So the woman I found this, like, she thought she might know who Shane and Ethan were. Just some of the neighborhood kids, she'd see them running around with their friends on the street. She went up to them a few days later and started asking them about the Adventure Club and reciting some of this top-secret rules. So the kids are shocked, you know, like, how does she know all this classified information? <laughs> she told them that her dog, named Kismet, had overheard them making up the rules. <laughs> so they were speechless, and as they were walking away, she heard the littlest one exclaim to his friend, you know, wow, Kismet heard us. And she said she still likes to imagine these kids being really secretive around any dog after that. <laughs> I like the idea that there was an inciting incident with a squirrel that led to rule number two. I thought about you with that one. Um <laughs> Where is that squirrel that you, you used oh, to keep Oh, Nutsy, the official squirrel yes. at MaximumFun.org? He's yes. downstairs okay. on the mantelpiece. I have Don't to worry. say hi when I, when I go down there. Um, yeah, yeah. So if anyone listening has found something, I hope they'll 
send it into Found Magazine. You can go to the Found Magazine website, foundmagazine.com. It's got our address in Michigan where you can send your fines. We love seeing them. We'll be putting out a new issue in the next few months, so we want to see those fines. Well, we always love to have you here on the show, Davey. It has been the first time you were on this program was literally for Found Magazine number one. And, uh, and which then, we found on the on the shelves of Bookshop Santa Cruz in Santa Cruz, California. That's awesome. The the 10th anniversary of Found is coming up this fall, so we're going to do a big 75-city tour, collect new finds, and share all the great ones we've saved, people have given us over the years. Well, Davey, thanks for joining us on Bullseye. Great to see you, Jesse. After a break, I'll talk to Penn Ward about his animated series, Adventure Time. It combines two of the greatest elements of adolescent boyhood, innocence, and Dungeons and Dragons. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and PRI, your Blick Radio International. Hey, podcast listeners, review our show in iTunes. It makes a big difference and it only takes a second. I'm waiting for you to do it. You're opening iTunes now, you're typing in Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, you're clicking on review. Now you're clicking on that fifth star. Now you're typing in why the show is so great. Now I'm thanking you. Great work. Hi, I'm homosexual Brian Safi. And I'm feminasty Erin Gibson. And we host Throwing Shade, a weekly podcast that looks at lady issues and gay issues and treats them with much less respect than they deserve. Erin, have you ever heard of gay marriage? No. Brian, ever heard of abortions? Never. Uh, gay stereotypes? No, thank you. Glass ceilings? I love laying on them. Brian and I have known each other for so long. So long. God, we know each other so well, we practically finish each other's Do you have sentence. any more iced tea? Says. One day a week, we sit in Aaron's apartment and record the podcast. And then other days of the week, we sit in Aaron's apartment and don't record the podcast. Brian and I never have a guest because we want it to be all about us. Our parents didn't love us very much. We need a lot of attention. Lots of attention. Subscribe to Throwing Shade on iTunes. Or go to MaximumFun.org. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. When you say that a cartoon show works for adults, it usually just means that it has a few jokey references thrown in that kids wouldn't get. It's much more rare to find something that's just as magical to an 8-year-old as it is to a 15-year-old as it is to a 40-year-old. My guest, Pendleton Ward, has created a show like that called Adventure Time. It started out as a web short, which collected over a million views on YouTube, despite a total lack of cats riding Roomba vacuum cleaners, which, as I understand it, is the main ingredient of uh, YouTube videos with over a million views. A few years later, it became a series on Cartoon Network, and it is now entering its fourth season. The show follows the adventures of a boy named Finn and his shape-shifting dog, Jake. At the start of the show, Finn, the boy, was 12. Jake, the dog, was 28. The pair live in a post-apocalyptic wonderland, if that makes any sense, and they charge bravely and sometimes foolishly into a crazy kaleidoscope of challenges like only an adolescent and an arrested adolescent shape-shifting dog can The results are bizarre and funny, but also disarmingly sweet. And here's a clip from the show that I think will give you some sense of the show's tone. Um, Finn, the kid, is building a pie-throwing robot to throw pies at Jake, the dog. It's never-ending pie-throwing time! Come on, dude. Turn on! Why isn't it working? I'll never make a prank better than Jake's garbage bag full of butter. Ow! Ow! 
out. Holy stuff! It's hot! Wow, cow chow! Greetings, creator. Oh, whoa! Hey, man. My name is Nepter, which stands for never-ending pie-throwing robot. Oh, perfect! You're exactly the kind of robot I was trying to make. Pen Ward, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have you on the show. <clears throat> Thanks, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. You are, you've been drawing the entire time that I've been introducing you. Can you tell me what you're drawing in your notepad there? Uh, you, you made a little laugh at one point, and you made a purse, pursing shape with your lips, and I thought that was worth uh, doodling. <laughs> so there's your, your lips pursing out. Have you always drawn all the time? Yes, uh, since I was little. Uh, at one point, my mom gave up on trying to tell me that how rude it was, because I think I'm just I just draw during conversations with people. It's like a baby blanket. It just feels comfortable drawing, and I don't have to look up. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> enjoying being in my own my own world. How does it relate to like what's going on around you? Uh, as far as, <laughs> as yeah, like, socially, what, like, uh, I mean, I just, uh, generally, I mean, do, yeah. are you, are you drawing things that you're seeing? Are you drawing feelings that you're having? <laughs> are you draw? you know what I mean? I like, drew feelings in high school. Are you drawing I, messages <clears throat> that you have for others? I, I'm usually just making fun of people. I'm usually just drawing <laughs> like rude drawings about, of, of people or, or I'm doing caricatures of people or, um, uh, I'm just trying to draw funny ideas. I drew feelings in high school and I gave it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's too too personal. I don't want anyone to see that stuff. But it's fun just trying to making making people laugh. That's what I do with my Twitter. Uh, is uh, if I if I do anything that I think is like tweet worthy is, is something that makes me laugh. If if I do a drawing that's funny enough to put on Twitter, I'll, I'll put it up. I got I, I mentioned on Twitter that you were going to be on the show, and I got this torrent of questions about the idea of making a show that is for both kids and adults. And I, I wonder when you created that first animated short, which was the first thing that I ever saw. I mean, I remember the huge impression that it made on me w when I saw it. Um, what was the audience that you had in mind when you made that? I was thinking about myself, I suppose. I was just trying to make something, make myself laugh. Um, I wanted to create a short about a hero. Um, maybe I was thinking a lot about um, characters that you, you that you fall in love with, and I'm about to say Captain Jean-Luc Picard, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I couldn't couldn't steer myself away from saying I am in love with him. Uh, Don't worry, we're going to get into Dungeons and Dragons later, so yeah, um, it's all going to get out there, Pen. Great. I thought it was. Re I mean, I just I just jokingly said something about Dungeons and Dragons, but. Um, I read this interview that you did on the website of Dungeons and Dragons, mm. and um, you described the hero of this show as a paladin. And my Dungeons and Dragons experience was mostly computer game related. Mm. Um, but from what I remember, the essential quality of a paladin is that they can't do evil, right? They're like a they're like a warrior, a knight type guy that can't right. do evil stuff, right? right. Yeah, Finn's. I was just having a conversation about this uh, with with Pat McHale and Kent Osborne over lunch. They're the writers on the show about Finn's Finn being lawful good. And Pat was. I was having an argument with Pat about whether or not Finn's lawful good or, or chaotic good. And I think pal paladins are lawful good. Um, You're but, gonna have to explain what that means. <laughs> uh, blindly following. The, the rules, the good rules, is it like lawful good? And uh, chaotic good is what Pat was saying that Finn was um, 
And that's more like he follows his heart. He follows what he thinks is the right thing to do. Uh, and so I, I ended up agreeing with Pat that Finn is, is chaotic good. Dungeons! Chambers! Whoa! Evil creatures! Doorways! Traps! Yeah! I'm in my element! It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is the animator Pendleton Ward. His television show Adventure Time has just started its fourth season on the Cartoon Network. Describe for me a little bit this this world that these two characters live in. It's post-apocalyptic Earth. It's it's uh, uh, after the the Mushroom War uh, on Earth. Magic has has sort of grown back into the world, and and uh, life has sort of grown anew. That's that's sort of the world. It's just a fantasy sort of Dungeon and Dragons esque world full of monsters and. And magic. You're, um, I think, like a year younger than me. So I'm guessing that the stuff that you grew up with, the cartoons that you grew up with, is pretty similar to what I grew up with. And the stuff that really was amazing when I was a kid was The Simpsons and then that first generation of cable TV cartoons that were wild, which means Beavis and Butthead, Ren and Stimpy. Yep. And their ilk. Mm-hmm. And the thing about those shows is that they're all crazy irreverent, sometimes gross and just just wild and in your face in a way that maybe, you know, like Warner Brothers cartoons are to some extent in some ways, but um, just powered by farts and just anything crazy. And there are a fair amount of farts in Adventure Time. Yeah, don't get me started. Uh, uh, fart. I love fart jokes, but only I think it's a really delicate craft to really just to perfect the perfect fart joke. I spent a lot of time uh, on selecting, you know, the toot sound and also the <laughs> the placement of it. I don't think it. I think a bad one is usually when it's overly gross or if it's used just to gross for gross out humor. I think it's more of a punctuation to a moment. You can't hurt me. I'm a radical boy on a mission for the crystal eye. I'm going to unzip your skin and wear you like a little coat. Unzip this! Let's talk a little bit about um, the kind of Dungeons and Dragons adventure part of Adventure Time. Um, They do go on these kind of fantastical adventures on the show. Um... And they come from uh, they come from a fantasy world, and it's not a quite it's not exactly a fantasy world that I recognize. Where does it where does it come from in your mind? Do you think uh, it was really originally inspired by Rankin Bass cartoons, and uh, the world is is super colorful. I think like that. Um, but then also there's a lot, there's like Blade Runner is in it. I think um, when they're when they're finding old sort of forgotten objects from the from the old world, they're finding like holograms too. And um, I mean that's not something that you hear all the time. That you get you get something that oh well you know I get a, I get a lot of inspiration of course from Rankin Bass cartoons and Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner, your Rankin Bass. <laughs> There's a really interesting kind of elasticity to the world. Um, you know, cartoons cartoons are defined by the relationship between, you know, regular 
realism and their own set of made up rules what are the what are the rules of the world of adventure time there are rules and they're all dungeon and dragon based rules i, I think uh like you can do almost anything but if it's too extreme we need to sort of have a magical reason behind it, it needs to be a magically imbued object that allows Finn to jump extremely high into the air, um, where normally he can't. Jake can stretch and do anything um, with stretching. Uh, Ice King can manipulate anything that's cold. Um, at one point, he pulls a bunch of ice cubes up out of uh, Finn and Jake's uh, refrigerator because that was the only um, frozen stuff <laughs> around, and he attacks them with these ice cubes, and it doesn't really hurt. It. They're small. Um <laughs> And he likes, he's attracted. I think we, at one point we wanted to have him just like hide out in their their freezer, but you can't have anything crawl into a fridge anymore. So that's a standards oh. issue. We always we always want to get people in the fridges, but we can't. Because a kid a kid crawled into a fridge like t- 20 years ago. Once. Right. I think old, old fridges from the 50s might have locked and you can't push them out from the inside. Right. Do you, do you play Dungeons and Dragons uh, now as a, as a regular thing? Do you have a standing game? Yeah, I try to make it out. Uh, the the job keeps me really busy, so I can't always make it out to my to my D and D group. But yeah, I was I was a I was a tiefling, which is a new creation. It's sort of a it's a demon race in uh, the latest edition D and D. I usually play thief characters because as a thief, I'm really bad at role playing. So I, uh, when you're in a tavern and you're you're a thief, you can just sort of like hang back in the shadows and watch everyone. You don't have to talk. Wait That's a minute. Funny. Are you telling me when you say you're really bad at role playing? Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, let's be clear, was invented specifically so that people who are uncomfortable in social situations <laughs> could have a context, a pretend social situation in which they could be comfortable because they have their I see where you get because they can be a superhero. Right, right. You know, an, an orc that's super strong. Or paladin that's good with swords. Right, swords. <laughs> um, you want to be a little sneaky guy that doesn't have to talk to anybody. Yeah, um, wallflower. I like. Uh, I don't like it. I mean, I try. I've tried before to break out of my shell in character. Uh, it just doesn't doesn't pan out. Um, I'm usually drawing. Uh, like I was drawing you when you first started talking. I'm usually just drawing while everyone else is playing D and D and at the table. I'm just. Just always drawing. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Pendleton Ward, the creator of the animated television show Adventure Time. In this clip from the season four premiere, Jake and Finn secretly observe Finn's latest crush, a flame princess who's set on destroying everything in her path with fire. Look at her. She's innocent. Like the steam off a puppy's nose, searching for ham in the snow. Guy drops one piece of ham in the snow and he never hears the end of it. Snap out of it. She's burning cute little flowers. Yeah, she is like a cute little flower. There's a great relationship between uh, Finn, the kid, and and Jake, the dog, um, which is defined by the fact that, you know, Finn is a kid or an adolescent, and Jake is, (laughs) you know, Jake is his loyal companion, the dog, but Jake is sort of like a... um, you know, Jake is sort of like a grizzled, uh, sort of like he's like a senior camp counselor or like a, a 
he's like he's like a char- one of those characters in a um in a college movie who's a sixth year senior it's funny that you said that's that's specific senior camp counselor because we based him off of bill murray from meatballs <laughs> um that's exactly the direction that we wanted to take him in there are a lot of moments in the show when just something uh something nice happens or something pretty happens. And that's not something that you see on a lot of television shows, a B a lot of children's television shows and C certainly not a lot of children's television shows with male protagonists and adventure themes with, with swords in their logos. Yeah. I'm really proud of every episode that ends with a sweet moment that feels like it's justified that doesn't feel like it, it like I don't, I don't like moral endings or moral messages or messages in general i just like if we have a story that that feels like it naturally goes into like ends with like a really just sweet moment between the characters where they're just happy in life <laughs> uh then i feel really proud of it well pen thank you so much for taking the time to join me on bullseye it was really really fun to talk to you thanks man appreciate it animator pendleton ward is the creator of adventure time The fourth season of the show is airing Mondays on Cartoon Network. Every week on the show, we close with a recommendation from yours truly. It's the outshot. I'm usually immune to silly web videos, the kind of thing where friends are goofing around and editing up the goofs and putting it on the web to show how funny they all are together. Usually I hate that baloney. But I'm making an exception because bestie by bestie, is the funniest silly nonsense I have ever watched. Bar none. Hi, I'm Gabe. And I'm Jenny. And we're besties. Best friends. People think, hey, you guys are besties. You must know everything there is to know about each other. But there's still things that we don't know about each other. For example, I hang my shirts in the closet. And I chew on bones. That's what the series is about. Welcome to Bestie by Bestie. Bestie by Bestie stars writing partners Gabe Liedman and Jenny Slate. You might know Slate from Bored to Death on HBO or from her season on Saturday Night Live. She was also the voice of the monumentally popular viral video Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which was directed by her fiancé, Dean Fleischer Camp. Fleischer Camp also helms Bestie by Bestie, and he gives it a vaguely masterpiece theatery vibe that contrasts beautifully with two Genuine best friends on camera trying with all their might not to let on how much they're trying to crack each other up. What you can't see in this clip you're about to hear is the insane and just fantastically charming contortions of Leadman and Slate's faces as they try to look serious while the other one is talking. What's What's wrong wrong with books? They're heavy. The in them is... Um, you always have to pretend you've read them. They're always like, one summer when I was vacationing with my cousins, I met Raffaello Rotundo, and he showed me how I want to be free. And you're like, just be an American. Everybody can do everything now. I don't relate to that Damn story! <laughs> Preposterous! Just read a freaking Dilbert and go to sleep! <laughs>
There really isn't much more to Bestie by Bestie than this. A little bit of chamber music, two best friends acting dumb and trying to look serious. But it is so, so funny. There are half a dozen episodes. Google them. They will make you happy. (laughs) That's my out shot. That's it for Bullseye this week. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Julia Smith is our producer, Nick White, our editor. Our interns are Joe Molinelli and Justin Morissette. Our theme music, Huddle Formation, by the Go Team. Thanks to them and their label, Memphis Industries, for letting us use that. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. You can email me if you have thoughts about the show, jesse at MaximumFun.org. And remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign Production of Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is supported in part by the menswear blog Put This On, presenting the Put This On Gentlemen's Association. Members receive a handmade pocket handkerchief in the mail every 60 days. More information at putthison.com. And by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. Support for this program comes from this station and public radio international stations nationwide and is made possible in part by the PRI Program Fund, whose contributors include the Ford Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. PRI Public Radio International.